real quick, I just want to do a question and answer with you guys. How many of you have ever told maybe a secret or a, a detail about yourself that you really didn't want a lot of people to know to somebody only to hear it back from like 10 other people a few days later? Yeah? Has that happened to some people? Like maybe someone you know when you're talking and you have that one thing and you're like, I really don't know if I should share this with them or not, but I trust them. And then you trust them. And then a few days later you realize, shouldn't have trusted them because it gets passed along and it gets sent out to everybody you know. That's the worst. Has anyone actually had the one where you tell somebody and you hear it back from someone else? That's a bad one, isn't it? You're like, ugh, darn it. I got a funny story for you. Here's how it goes. One day, Cindy complained to her friend Barb, and she says, Nancy told me that you told her the secret I told you not to tell her. And well, said Barb in kind of a hurt tone, I told her not to tell you that I told her. (laughs) Oh dear, sighed Cindy. Well, don't tell her that I told you that she told me. (laughs) Has anyone ever had that happen? Now, that's a roundabout way that it happens, but it's true, right? Someone tells something to somebody, and they tell it to someone else, and you're like, finally, you're just like, oh. But there's people who we can trust with our secrets. There's some people who you're going to meet in life who you can trust. I hope you have some people like that. People who you know you can share a detail with in your life, and you know then they're taking it to the grave. They really care about you. They're not sharing it. But the reality is, I think most of us, We share a lot of details with one friend in specific (laughs) who tells all of our secrets. We put a lot of faith in this one one person, this one thing, and and we we share a lot of the life details about us thinking that it's going to stay quiet, but it doesn't. And that one friend I'm talking about is money. It's money. There's an old saying for a long time. I'm sure you've heard it plenty of times. It says, money talks. Now, the, the way that's normally used is this. It means money has power. Basically, if I give you money, it says something. It gets something done. It accomplishes a task. A lot of times they always say, money talks, BS walks. That's kind of like one of the old statements they say, right? I want to give you a new statement for that, that whole money talks idea, a brand new definition. Here's what I want to say about it. Money talks, and what I mean is it tells all of your secrets to those who are around you. What you do with your money, how you use it, where you put it, how much you seek it, all of this is telling the people around you who you are, what you're all about. A lot of people will say, well, money, that's a private issue. That's me. I don't need to share that stuff with me. Well, my finances are all stuff like that. No one needs to know that except me. And you know what? That's true. But in another sense, you're foolish if you think that's a reality. Because I can look at people, and not being judgmental, but just by looking at them and how they spend their money, how they seek money, what they do with money, how they share money, I can give you a really good picture of who that person is. You can look at them and you can begin to see what kind of person they are by how they manage the money that's in their life. It really is a reality. I want to talk to you this Sunday specifically. This is a three-part series over these next Uh, three weeks, this week and two more. But I want to talk to you this morning specifically about money. It talks about what you crave. It talks about what you crave as a person. Real quick, think back to maybe this week, okay? We find ourselves in perhaps the most marketed 
country in the world. Probably one of the most marketed countries in the world. Think real quick here. On an average day, how many advertisements do you think you see? I mean, what, you wake up, turn on the radio or something like that? There's advertisements on radio, right? Maybe you hop on and you check Facebook. Right down the right-hand side, there's advertisements on your computer. You want to go watch a YouTube video. Advertisement kicks up first. Maybe you hop in your car, you take a drive. Or maybe you turn on the morning news. Boom, advertisements on commercials. Not only that, but anymore nowadays, they have product placement. They have banners that float underneath because they can't get enough people to watch those. I mean, everywhere you go, everywhere you go, you're driving down the road going to work. Billboards, left and right. You go into your office or wherever you do, you pick up a pen. Bet you the pen is an advertisement somewhere. Everywhere you go, it's an advertisement. It's marketing. Everywhere we turn, there are nice things vying for our attention. Whether it's fast cars, nice houses, perfect yards, new clothes, expensive food, beautiful hair, fancy jewelry, fun recreational, uh, fun recreational vehicles, crazy parties, the list goes on and on. Tons and tons of different things vying for our attention. The Bible even talks about this. Proverbs 19.4. If, if you ever read Proverbs, okay, it's, just, it, it's words of wisdom that you'll see in your life. And the Bible actually says this. That here's, here's one thing you've got to take out of con- in context of this. Proverbs, a lot of times, is truth. That doesn't mean it's good. Sometimes Proverbs is talking about truth. It doesn't mean it's how it should be. It just means how it really is. This is one of them. Proverbs 19.4 says, Wealth makes many friends but poverty drives them all away. Well, that's not necessarily how God wants it, but that's a true statement, isn't it? It's just telling it like it is in Proverbs, saying, man, when you got money, the friends come fast, but when you're broke, they'll all turn their run. That's the reality. There's so much vying for our attention. There's so much grabbing for money. There seems to be this worldly mantra and you know, mantra is basically something that you, you live by, a phrase that you, you work off of. And here's what I think the world's mantra is. If I can boil it all down for you guys, you tell me if you think I'm off on this, but I don't think you will. Here's what I think the world's mantra for money is. Get as much as you can, as fast as you can, to make as many friends jealous as possible. That really seems like it's the way the world works, isn't it? Get as much as you can, as fast as you can do it, so you can make as many friends jealous as possible. And that's the way the world works. It really is true. As fast as you can, I mean, first of all, as much as you can. Let's take a look at that. Get as much as you can. I mean, isn't it true? Isn't everybody out for that almighty dollar? Don't you see it in in the, the jobs people take, in the careers people choose? I mean, how many people, honest to God, I know I was, before I found my calling with God, All of my direction of where I wanted to do for work was based off of one thing. How much money I could get out of it. How much money could I get at the end game? That was was the goal. It's all about the dollars and cents. It's wrapped up in our culture. Just real quick for you. 50 Cent. Anyone remember 50 Cent, his album? What was it called? You remember his old school album? Get Rich or Die Trying. That was his album's name. Get Rich or Die Trying. How about this? Here's a, here's a good song. Travi McCoy and Bruno Mars just released it a little while ago. What is it? I want to be a billionaire so freaking bad. Have anyone heard it? That's of course. It's in the song. He's literally talking about how much he just longs to be a, a billionaire. A billionaire, first of all. Like, what? Seriously? Billionaire? But it's just wrapped up in our culture. 
man, this longing for cash, this longing for money, it's there. As fast as you can. This is what's interesting too. Not just that everyone wants as much as they can, but they want to get it like that. They want to get it right away. Nobody's willing to work for anything and be patient anymore. You ever notice that? Queen, they released a song a long time ago. And you know what it says in it? I want it all, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now. I want it now. And that's the reality of our culture. You'll see it in credit card debt, mounds of credit card debt, in super steep mortgages on houses where people can barely afford to make the payments on the house, let alone if something bad happened to that house, they could never afford to take care of it. You'll see it in the fact of the, that people anymore nowadays finance everything. Nothing is purchased, everything is borrowed. You can't buy anything anymore. Everything is financing. If you want to right now, check this out. I'm a mechanic, right? And the snap-on man comes around. The snap-on man will bring you books and he'll hand it to you. And they have toolboxes you can finance for five years. You know why? There's toolboxes in there that are $20,000. And you can finance it for five years at small payments. And that's how our world works. They want it now. It's not about saving up and getting something you want. It's about getting a loan and getting it today, because that's when I want it. And I'll pay it back over time. We see it in the fact that there are so many get-rich schemes, aren't they? And how many people get those stupid emails and junk sent to them all the time about, really, I know it sounds crazy, but you can sit at home and you can make $1,000 a day doing nothing. It's like, that's not true. You can't make $1,000 a day doing nothing. Trust me, there's got to be some sort of work involved to get there. And you know what? To make as many friends jealous as possible, I think this is really true. How many people struggle and fight, borrow, beg, steal, work their hands to the bone to get stuff that really doesn't even make them happy? And the only reason why they have it is to keep up with what their friend has or to have something better than what their friend has. You know, I joke, I I have a neighbor, and he has a toy for everything. He has everything you'd want. And he has this beautiful Harley, and I think I've seen him ride it twice this summer. But you know what? It's got to be parked in that garage. So when friends come over, friends walk by and they go, I wish I had one of those. And I guess that's good enough, isn't it? It's to have something that someone else wants, even if you barely even use it yourself. It's just having something to make someone else jealous and for someone to look at you. you Dave Ramsey's a financial guru and he always says, you know, when you buy one of those really fancy cars, he says, when you pull up to that stoplight and someone looks over and goes, man, I wish I had that car. He says, I hope you liked it because it cost you $1,000 for that person to look at you and like that. It's the truth. They spend so much money just to get someone to be jealous of you for a moment. Money talks. And what it's saying about our society, what it's saying about the average person is this, I'm never satisfied. I'm never satisfied. It really is the truth. Uh, If you have your Bibles, I'm going to look at James 4, 1 through 3. This is what it says in it, okay? What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what gives you pleasure. Man, that's a true statement. It's a true statement. Basically, it doesn't matter how much you get. Isn't it true most people, no matter how much they get, they're still jealous of someone else? 
they're still jealous of that person who has a little bit more than them. The 20,000s are looking at the 40,000s. The 40,000s are looking at the 80,000s. The 80,000s are looking at the 120,000s. And everyone's not satisfied because someone else has more than what they do. No matter how much they get, always, always. It seems like they're always wanting more. Ecclesiastes 5.10. You don't got to turn there. I'm just going to share it with you real quick. Just a word of wisdom in Ecclesiastes. It says this. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. No matter how much you get, it seems, you're always wanting a little more. John D. Rockefeller, okay, as in like old school business tycoon, if you know anything about him, right? This man made more money than you would possibly imagine. By the time he finished his career, he was worth nearly half a billion dollars. Now, it doesn't sound that amazing, except for the fact that that was at the turn of the 1900s. That was in 1800s, as in like 1890 through 1900. He had half a billion dollars. Can anyone remember back? Like cars were like hundreds of dollars back then, like when they, when they come around, like in the like 20s and teens and stuff like that. I mean, this man had money upon money. Like if you did the comparison today, he'd be like, he'd probably like laugh at Bill Gates. Like he'd be like Mr. Top of the food chain as in it comes to money. And I mean, anyone in that age, probably even people who are just older citizens even in, in, in our church, you probably still, Rockefeller is one of those names. It's a rich name. You know what I mean? It's just one of those rich names. You're Rockefeller, like a Gates. He was asked one time, get this, John, how much is enough? How much is enough? Man had nearly half a billion dollars in a time where, where money was worth far less. And his response was this, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. I mean, the man had more money than he could possibly even know what to spend it on. But his response is true to almost all of us, no matter how much money we get. If we're in love with it, it's always just a little bit more, isn't it? Just a little more. Just a little more. Sadly, the reality is this. Many people who claim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, their money says the exact same thing the world's money says. They're no different. They're no different. Money talks, and it tells some of our dirty secrets. And you know what? That's not how it's supposed to be. There's so many people who claim Jesus as their Savior, and they're caught in that exact same vicious circle that the world is caught into. So am I saying money's bad? No, I'm not saying money's bad. Hebrews 13.5, it says this. Don't love money, but be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I'll never fail you. Fail you. I will never abandon you. Does it say that money's bad? No, what he's talking about, he says, don't love money. There's a difference. It doesn't say don't have money. It says don't love money. Don't lust after it. Don't make that your, your primary focus. And perhaps a really good verse that I thought when I, was, when I was looking through the Bible that really sheds light on this to me is in Matthew. If you have your Bible, Matthew 6. I want to read verses 19 through 24 to you. This is what it says, okay? These are Jesus' words, so they're trustworthy. They're true. They're things that we can live by. It says this, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You hear that? 
Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. It says, the eye is the lamp that provides light for the body. When your eye is good, the whole body is filled with light. But when the eye is bad, the whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Listen to this, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's a sobering verse, isn't it? It's a wise verse that starts out and it gives us some really good information, but it wraps up in a pretty harsh way. But basically what it boils down to is this, is he's saying that as Christians, as people who know Jesus is your Savior, he says that your mantra is supposed to look different than the world's. He says if theirs is, is get as much as you can, as fast as you can to make as many people jealous, he says, I want to tell you that yours is the opposite. Your mantra is the opposite. First of all, don't try to get as much as you can. Isn't that what it says in verse 19? It says, don't struggle to store up treasures here on earth where moth destroy and people come in and steal and rust breaks it down. He says, there's no point. It's all going to burn and fall apart. He says, instead, you need to store up treasures in heaven. And I'm going to talk more about that next week. I'm going to talk to you about faithfulness and what it means to have your finances tied into God. And he says, that's where you need to store up treasure because that's the only place it's going to last. The rest of it, it's going to all fall apart. It says this, though. Don't worry about getting it all as fast as you can. That's what everyone's worried about getting it and getting it now, but we're supposed to trust God if we continue on in that chapter. Down to Matthew 6, 31 through the end of the verse. This is what it says, okay? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. It says that the unbelievers, that's what they spend their entire life worrying about. And isn't it true? To the unbeliever, their whole life is wrapped into, what will I wear? What will I eat? That's what life is all about, trying to answer those problems and get through life. But he says, as a believer, you know that someone's watching out for you. He says, you don't have to worry about all those things. He says, you can just serve God, be faithful, and he's going to take care of it. You don't have to worry about getting it all today because he's going to take and look out for you. You can trust him. You don't have to worry. And last but not least out of that, that whole making as many friends jealous as possible, God's word says the exact opposite. It says that when you're blessed, you're to share. And in two weeks, that's what I'm going to share about at the end of this message series, is about how when God blesses us, he doesn't just bless us for us, but he blesses us to bless others. And I want to share those things with you. So you keep coming back because it's going to unpack that a little farther as we go forward. Money talks. Money talks. But what is it saying about you? What does your money say about you? What is how you treat money, how you use money, how you accumulate it, how you hold on to it, how you share it? What does it say about who you are? Because that's the real question, isn't it? Are you satisfied? Or are you you one of those people that's always reaching for that next thing? There's a verse um, that I'd love for you guys to remember. If you guys have Bibles, turn to this verse. Underline it. If you don't, if you're taking notes write it down. If you're not, take a snapshot or type it into a phone. 
Go back and look at this verse, okay? It's 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. These are Paul's words to Timothy. So he's trying to kind of help his, his, young, uh, his young protege tell him about what it means to be a good man. It says this in verse 6. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Listen to that again. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Listen, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. True godliness with contentment is great wealth. Great wealth. And it's a warning. He says, if, if some of those people who were in the same place you were, people who maybe today you say, listen, I have a firm foundation with Jesus Christ. I have a relationship with him. That's a word, of, a, a word of warning to you. He says, there's people who've been in a good relationship with Jesus, firm foundation. And because of that love of money, it says that they've wandered away from that track and they've been pierced by many sorrows. If there's something that we should be called as Christians... As Christians with our finance, and I want you to get a hold of this week, it's this. We should be called content. As Christians, when it comes to money, people who believe in Jesus, how we use our money, what we do with it, a great word to be called would be content. The definition of that is this. Feeling or showing satisfaction, satisfaction with one's possessions, status, or situation. Let me tell you, okay? Okay? In the eyes of the world, that is just plain old weird. Weird. Being content, satisfied with the situation you are in, with your possessions, your status, or just the situation in life. That's weird, weird. People in the world will think you're crazy. What? You don't want more? You're not striving to get a bigger TV, to get more cars, to get a bigger house, to have more money in the bank? What are you, you're missing it? Don't you get it? Being content is, is, is strange in this world because people can't understand being okay with what you have because they're never satisfied. You can see it by their money. Their cravings are insatiable. But the reason why is this. When you get a relationship with Jesus Christ, you recognize some truths. The first of which is this. You realize that we're only here on earth for just a short window. We're here for just a a breath, and we spend the rest of our time in eternity. And you realize that even if I gain everything, it's only for just a short little window. Christians realize that God is looking out for us. This is that verse I shared in Matt 6. It says the fact that the, the, the average world, they, they worry and they struggle and concern themselves. What am I going to eat? All these different things. But as Christians, it says we realize, we know that there's a God looking out for us. There's a God looking out for us that's looking for those things out. We don't have to worry about them. Not only that, but this. As Christians, in a relationship with Jesus, we realize that life is not measured by how much we can consume. 
life is not measured by how much you can consume. That's what the world's going to tell you. It's how many cars you can get. It's how much money you can spend. It's how many vacations you can take. It's how many nice things you can buy. It's how many, and on and on and on. That's what the world tells you. It's all about how much you can take in. But we realize that that's not what life is all about. So the problem is this. Every single one of us have an empty, an empty spot in our lives. And the people who don't know Jesus yet, they try to fill that with everything, with money, with possessions. They spend that money to try to create friends, to try to create relationships. And you see, they they use that money and they think that it's showing how cool they are, it's showing how powerful they are. The more toys they get, the bigger house they get, the bigger parties they throw, is showing just how cool they are here on earth. But see, the the reality is it's the inverse. You realize when you look at people spending these massive amounts of money, what it's really showing is a terrible emptiness inside of their heart. And trying as as desperately as they can to spend all this money to create all these things here on earth to fill this void, it all still falls short in the end. Because the reality is, is every single one of us as humans were meant to have a relationship with God, our Father. And that emptiness and that longing can't be satisfied with how much we can buy, how much we can spend, how many people we can sleep with, whatever it is here on earth that gives us pleasure, it doesn't matter because at the end, there'll still be that emptiness. And the Bible makes it really clear, the only thing that solves that emptiness, wondering, is there more? Is there more? Is a relationship with Jesus Christ. It says that we were meant to be in community with him from the very beginning. Sin messed it up. It it created a divide between us and God. And that all of us have fallen short of what God's plan is. But see, that's the beauty of it. Because God recognized that that was the situation. And he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come and pay for that sin. So it says Jesus came. He went to the cross. He died on that cross. And there's no way he could have died because he never sinned. So he had to carry someone else's sin. And it said that he took all of ours to that cross and he died for it and paid for it. The reason why is because if we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and make him the Lord of our lives, we can go back to that tight and intimate union with God. And that emptiness, I can tell you from personal experience, that craving and always wanting something more, it goes away. It did in my own life. It did in my own life. I always thought it was how much you could get. It was how far you could go. It was how much you could accomplish. But when my life got serious about Jesus and I made him the priority, that feeling of emptiness, it disappears. And you realize that you're connected with something so much bigger. And it doesn't matter how much I can buy, how much I can earn. That emptiness goes away. My debts are paid. What does your money say about you today? What does your money say about your heart today? Is it just talking about what you crave? Or or today, is that money and that spending habit really showing the fact that your life is empty of God and you're trying as hard as you can to fill it? I want you guys to do this. Go ahead and bow your, your heads, okay? And close your eyes. And this is to give honor to the people around you this morning, okay? And here's what I want to do. I just want to give you an opportunity. If this morning you say this, listen, my money probably does say that I have these, this, these insatiable cravings. And the reason why is what you just talked about. I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I feel empty. 
I need Jesus Christ in my life to fill this emptiness. I need him to pay for my sins. If that's what's going on in your heart this morning, raise your hand up, look up, and catch my eye, okay? No one's looking. You raise your hand and you catch eyes with me, okay? I got you. Yep, I see you. I see you. Is there anyone else here today? You say, yeah, I see you. I see you, man. Anyone else here today? I see you. You say, listen, I'm empty because I don't have any relationship with Jesus. And I'm wondering, is there something more to this life? Anyone else today? Four people already this morning say, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. Anyone else today? Hmm? All right, I see you too. All right, what I want to do is, is everyone just keep your head bowed, your eyes closed. And I want to pray together. I want to pray a prayer with you guys, okay? For you guys who looked at me and you raised your hands, you pray this prayer today, and it's starting your relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's just a prayer of inviting Jesus into your life to begin to change you and change things in it so that you can start a relationship with him, okay? And the rest of you guys, you can go ahead and you can pray with me too just to confirm what they're doing and also just to reaffirm what's in your heart, okay? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the sins in my life. Thank you for paying for my sins by your death on the cross. Please come into my life. Start a relationship with me. I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. For you five guys, uh, five guys and girls who said that this morning for the first time, I want to congratulate you guys. You started a relationship with Jesus. And I know it's going to sound crazy right now because you think, could that, could that have really done something? It did. It changed something in your life right now this morning. And it's going to become more and more evident as you walk out these next days, this next week, these next months. You're going to start to see stuff change in your life because when we let Jesus be part of our lives, things begin to change inside of us, okay? I'm so, I'm so excited for you guys. Cel- I mean, I celebrate with that, yeah. I want to do one more thing just to finish here today, okay? And here's what it is. Throughout this, this, these next three weeks, if you ever need to talk about what we're talking about, I'll always be around to talk to you too. But I want to do this, okay? Real quick, shut your eyes, bow your head real quick, okay? Once again, and this one, I'm not going to do a prayer to finish this, but just real quick, if you want to just be real and say, listen, I think that I'm not content. And I don't think I'm there yet. Maybe I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I need God to help me because this is me. I'm focusing on cash, and this is my focus, and it's showing the fact that I have these cravings, and I need to get contentment. If that's you this morning, just go ahead and raise your hand. Just throw them up. You don't have to open your eyes. Just go ahead and throw up your hand and say, yeah, that's me. God sees your hand. You go ahead and you raise it. God will see it, okay? And I'm just going to pray a prayer to finish real quick, just over you guys as well too, just to finish up our service, okay? Thank you so much this morning, God. Um, We thank you for being here. We thank you for people who started a relationship with you this morning, Jesus. We pray also, though, for this. Your your Bible talks about this contentment, God, that you bring. And for those who are willing to raise their hands, Lord, to say, yes, um, I I struggle with contentment. I want to, I struggle to get more, and I'm trying to to, to fill some of this void. And maybe, maybe part of it is just I need more trust for you, Jesus. Maybe I just need to see more of you in my life. I pray to you, God, you would meet with each and every one of these people individually this week. 
By your Holy Spirit, I pray to you that you would talk to them in maybe a time that they're praying or a time that they're reading their Bible. And I pray to you to remind them that you have their backs as their God, that you're watching out for them. They don't need to struggle and worry. And God, that they don't need to struggle to try to get more because they've already accomplished um, a great and mighty thing in starting a relationship with you. I thank you so much, Jesus Christ, for what you're doing inside of uh, this church. I thank you what you're doing inside of these people's lives. And um, we just praise you, Jesus, for being so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give another round of applause for people to start a relationship with Jesus this morning.